so good to have Deidre Teagarden. I, 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 she came in today looking fabulous in purple and gold. Well, a purple dress is beautiful and a beautiful gold necklace. And it sets it up perfectly. And we were just talking about um, the front page story in the Maui News. I know. I walked in this morning. You know, I was looking at the headlines. I was like, wow, Deidre. And the interesting part was we talked about this amazing movie that's coming up. And it was just about... Well, it was really almost sold out about a week or two ago, right? It really was. So Japanese Cultural Center of Hawaii had put out a, a documentary a few years ago all about Honouli Uli, the document, um, the internment camp in Honolulu. They did a follow-up uh, on the internment camps or the detention sites here on Maui, and they're premiering this 25-minute documentary at our center on Saturday. And, um, we, you know, I came on the show did a couple press releases, and immediately it filled up. So we thought, okay, well, we'll add a second one. Mm-hmm. That filled up. A big shout-out to the great team down at the Maui News for always putting in our press releases. And then this morning, <laughs> we saw the front page, and we thought, oh, no, we don't have any more space. Now, for the people that didn't happen to pick up the Maui News, tell them what you're talking about. So the front page of the Maui News today is all about this internment documentary. Uh, Ryan Kawamoto, who is the producer, uh, the director of it, and did all the research, we are premiering, we're doing the Hawaii premiere this Saturday at our center. So the phone, of course, started ringing off the hook saying, oh, you know, we want to come for that documentary. So um, we spoke. It was a well-written article. It was a beautiful, Melissa Tanji yeah. uh, always does wonderful work. Everybody down there, yeah. Colleen, Brian, uh, they're just, they all do fantastic work. So we've added a third showing, which actually is at 12 noon and uh, you're almost sold out. On we're that. almost so, you know, quote unquote, sold out. It's a free event, um, but we do take donations. Uh, but yes, yeah, so we'll have over 200 people seeing wow. this movie on Saturday. A very moving movie. A very moving movie. All all about the the internment story and, and focusing on the Maui families who were who were interned. And um, after people see the the documentary carol and ryan will be there to do a little question and answer and then people can come down to the education center and uh, look at the internment exhibit that we have going on currently i was driving back on the lower beach road there um just heading towards the jack that jack in the box yes jack in the box and I, i i saw your building there and i went boy it jumped right out you had internment i think it's on the a banner, right? It is. And you know what? It, it really does jump out. I mean, and I went, wow, that's powerful when you see internment. And you have it in very big letters. Um, and, and the story, and I think, I hope a lot of you, I guess a lot of you did read because the phones were going off the hook today down there about it, this movie. But the story is so touching. And you know, the thing that really t- talks to me, it wasn't that long ago. It really wasn't. And it could happen again is the scary part. It could. I think that is why this exhibit has been um, so, I, I, I hesitate to use the word popular, but for lack of a better word, we've been getting so many visitors, uh, local uh, tourists, um, residents who've never come into the center before. But the whole topic of internment and how it is so uh you know, timely. It's, you know, we, we hear that word in the news and it's a scary, it's yeah. a scary thing to think that anyone would think that internment is somehow a good, a good way 
to go, a good way to, to deal with issues. So it's and very timely. It's very topic. Very, very, very topical. Topical, and on top of that, there was that story that he was, you know, very respected. And you saw the picture of him as a banker. You know, here was someone who was in the community and respected and known. And here he was shipped off. to an, He wasn't even able to be staying on Maui. Right. And had to go off island. Where was it that they shipped him to? Uh, I think they they uh, sent, he was sent to Santa Fe or Tule Lake. Uh, yeah. There were um, a, a lot of different uh, places areas. where pe- areas where people were sent, and um, you know the Hawaii internment story is very different than the California story. So yes. California had mass internment, yeah. and Hawaii and Maui uh, specifically, they took the the priests, the people who worked at the Japanese newspaper, who taught you know Jap- Japanese at the Japanese school, they took all of that group, and the, they were the men who were interned. Wow, it, it is a powerful story, and it's so um, it's so touching. And I think for a long time it was kind of a hidden story, very much a hidden story, um, and even. A lot of the families, you know, that, that come into the center say, well, you know, I knew my grandfather was interned, but he never talked about it. Uh, it was either just a horrible experience or a shameful experience. You know, there's so many different words that they use to describe. Uh, but it was a very, very quiet yeah. uh, story. And well, only now it's coming out. The, the shame for, for no reason, you know, except for that they were um, for no reason put in because of their race. Um, and that's just well, that story I was reading about this morning. He was put in there, and he, he was the head of a bank or was a lawyer, and he had nothing, he said, but his toothbrush. That's all he had at that point. So um, I have to say, folks, um, I know you might be reading this or hearing about it now for the first time, but unless you call right away um, today. Literally today. It, I there mean, we'll, will be no more room because you now have three showings, and you can't do another, and you're flying the people over from Oahu, I said, well, can't you add another day? And it's like, no, because we'd have to put people up, and it's very expensive to do that, et cetera. Well, Japanese Cultural Center of Hawaii, Carol Hayashino, who is the director over there, um, was very gracious. She was actually the one who suggested doing a third showing. Uh, the DVDs aren't for sale yet. Uh-huh. Uh, she said what they're going to be doing is releasing it to the public at some point. Oh, good. You know, in the over the the course of the year yeah um so we'll keep everybody we'll keep everybody posted but there's obviously a demand there there really is and again this this topic has really touched a chord with our community and uh, we have a lot of people coming through the center and we're very thankful that we're there and we're able to tell the stories and that the families allow us to share these stories because you know not everybody not everybody wants to 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 share their stories how long have you now been in charge of the Nisei Veterans Memorial Center? I think it's been about a, a year and a bit. Boy, a, a, lot, year and a, bit. a lot's happened in that year and a bit. Well, we have a wonderful team down at the center. Yeah. We have the uh, most amazing uh, board of directors that when you come to them with an idea, they're all for it, and they say, you know, go for it. Mm-hmm. And I love that. We, yes, and yeah. we have um, just... Amazing stories to tell. We have a, a great group of supporters, so I think the the time is is it's just good, really good timing for us, and uh, the community is is interested. Well, and you were you're very smart on some of these things, and you did start a program 
there's actually been some standout things you've done. Um, number one, you were able to do the stories by the heroes and their values, and you were able to pick up on some of these people who were just names no one knew and explain how they really are. And they're still, I'm saying are because they still are heroes. Yes. And and what made them special, a lot of people did not realize um, about the 442. And right. they didn't know their stories. They certainly probably never knew they went to Italy. Right. You know, and some of these other places. And, and the go for broke stories, of course, there's a little clue because you're on go for broke lane. Yes. <laughs> And uh, you know, we have uh, Maui had Medal of Honor recipients. Uh, we have such a rich history. Uh, and uh, that's what the center is is dedicated to, is, is sharing the, the stories, the sacrifices, and also moving forward. I don't think um, there hasn't been one veteran, whether it's been a Nisei or a Korean War or Vietnam War veteran, uh, who hasn't said that, War is awful. Yeah. It should be it should be a last resort. It should be no resort. I mean yeah. it, it we have to work toward diplomacy and peace because the the horrors of war are, are just that. Yeah. And, and we can't imagine unless you've gone through what they've gone no, through. No, and they don't even like to talk about no. it. We you know we had that first um, speaker series where we had uh, Mr. Okamura and Mr. Motooka both in the military intelligence service just kind of sharing their stories uh, from World War II, and they said afterward, you know, it was, it, they're very, very tough stories, stories mm-hmm. to tell. And mm-hmm. uh, in, instead of focusing on that, you know, you need to focus on moving forward. And, and when the men of the 100th Battalion came back to Maui or into Hawaii, their motto was continuing service. What can we do to make the community better moving forward? And that was kind of the seeds that were planted by them that made the Nisai Veterans Memorial Center possible. Yes, yes. And then we had uh, Maui Sons and Daughters of the Nisei Veterans, uh, Leonard Oka, whose father was uh, in the 442, really took it uh, and created what we are, you know, what we are today. So, And now there's another big event coming, and this one is very, very important, folks. And um, we want to talk about an event with Governor George Ariyoshi. And some of you may not have been around long enough to remember Governor George Ariyoshi, but that's all the more reason that you will want to be coming on Saturday, February 17th at 1.30. um, This isn't at the Nisei Veterans Memorial. This one's at the Kahili Golf Course, Nahili Ballroom. That's downstairs? Yes. Mm-hmm. And we will have um, heavy poo-poo. But we were, you know, we were sitting around talking about leadership. And regardless, you know, we, we talk about Nisei values, but really those values are the values of aloha. They are the values of every other, every other culture um, has these exact same values. We just happen to, you know, talk about the Nisei values and how it formed our, our veterans and, you know, when they came home, what they did with these, this values, these values that they had. But it's all about leadership and values and how relevant these values are today. They're as relevant today as they were back in, you know, 1940 and 1945. So we decided, well, let's reach out to our to our governors. So Governor Ariyoshi, who also served in the military intelligence service at the end of World War II and occupied Japan, he was an interpreter, uh, was our governor from 1974 to 1986, 
we thought we would kick it off with him. He's 92. Years, 12 And yes. he's 92, he's 92 years old. I mean, this is really something that's going to be very impactful. And uh, at 92 years old, I mean, to be able to have him come and tell his story uh, on, on multiple levels. Number one, I mean, of course, what it was like being the very first governor of Asian descent in the United States. Yes. And to be able to get to that point, what he saw, because that was a very important time in the history of, of Hawaii. It was. Um, think of the growth and what happened in those years. And then what it was like for him working in the military right after. He was there right after the war in Japan, right? Right, occupied Japan. Yeah. So he was part of the effort to rebuild Japan, and, and he was an interpreter. And, uh, yeah, so we have him coming just to talk about his life and leadership in general. Uh, we wanted to do it someplace where we could host more uh, people. So we're doing it at the Kahili Golf Course at the Nahele Ballroom. It is $35, yes. but that will um, help pay for the expenses. It will, and it'll yeah. get you some lunch or some heavy poo-poo. Heavy poo-poos. Heavy poo-poos. So um, this is going to be on um, a Saturday. Yes. Starts at one thirty. Correct. So it's a perfect time to do this, actually. And you'll get to meet a legendary figure. Yes. Uh, and, and, and hear his stories. I had a, uh, my brother was married to a, a wonderful lady who's still alive. He passed on. But uh, his mother-in-law was also working in occupied Japan. Oh. And she was in charge of trying to help them set up trade that would benefit both sides. Oh, how interesting. Yeah, because the economy, of course, was devastated. And it was a very tricky situation. Because here you are, and you know the Japanese people, their pride was crushed. Not only that, there was all the deaths, devastation we can't even imagine. No. That they had gone through, the, the radiation, the poisoning. Um, their country was in shambles. And there was still, obviously, a U.S. presence in there. But I think the U.S. did was aware that there had to be enough people of Asian descent there to figure out a way to bridge the huge differences that existed and the prejudices that, that some of the Americans, I mean, had we obviously see it with the internment, etc. And some of it even lasted after the internment. And it's embarrassing to think of what some of the Asian people had to go through after World War II. Um, and the judgment placed on them, you know, for not even knowing their background or if their relatives had served in the war, etc. you know. So this, I think, and in the course of 50 years, and it's a little over, probably is it 60 years since the end of the world, end of the war, World War II was over about 60 years when ago. When we're celebrating the, when we're, we're recognizing the 75th anniversary of um, the, you know, the 442 this year. So it, that's it's a long time, it's but long it's taken time. but it's taken that long to finally come around, right? It has. You see it almost every day when you're down there. I do. You know that's my that's my world now. And uh, today, right before I came up here, we had uh, another veteran stop by, and he was with the military intelligence service. He's going to be at the Ariyoshi event, but he was telling. stories you know, sharing some stories about his time in Japan. He li had lived in Japan in the 1930s when he was a little wow. boy. Wow. Yes. And then... Uh, Can you imagine what that was like? And then went back uh, during the war. And Wow. 
Very interesting. So yes, you just get cu- it's the stories. You know, you can yeah. talk about you know World War Two and and what happened, but yeah. when you boil it down to the to the stories, the they're just the people. There's the stories are just so overwhelming, and so that's what we have at the various exhibits are the artifacts, memorabilia, and the stories of individual Maui families, so that people have more of that one-on-one connection it's not just you know so up here in the in the air it's you know it's really boiled down to these specific stories if you had governor Ariosha here in this room doing an interview with us what question would you ask him oh my goodness you know what it's that is a wonderful question because I we have veterans that come through the center and I I always think you know what what is the question what is the question to to ask them um and you can never you never know what the right question is but i i um i'm i'm always so interested when uh somebody comes in and and we can say we can ask you know everything that you went through uh all the the discrimination that you and your family went through here in the united states or here in hawaii or here in you know wherever it was how are you able to to go to go fight for a nation that was discriminating against your entire family make you know taking your land and your house money how, everything everything yeah. how are you able to do that and still have this love in your heart for for your for the country and then you know come back and put everything aside and just you know keep moving on what what was it that enabled what is it inside of you that enabled you to forget about it or just put it to the side and mm. and continue on doing so much for the community and not being bitter i wonder if there's one answer i mean i'm sure there's lots of different answers in the way it's handled but what i think with uh the governor governor ariyoshi when you think of how now there is such an amazing wealth of Asian politicians, and that he was there, able to take that, the roots of what he planted. If we could take a family tree of politicians and see how that changed everything with the Asian communities, and we look now at all of the powerful Asian businessmen and Asian doctors and lawyers and politicians that now have, and of course, um, I'm a I'm a minority, right? In, in, in Hawaii, there are more Asian Americans than there are uh, Howleys, right. right? And how that built, um, because there was a whole revolution in the way of thinking, and there was some kind of change that happened that people were finally able to see. I know we've seen it somewhat in the stories. You had some stories of people who were there. And showed it in the early days because there was the brides that came over. Oh, right, the picture brides. The picture brides. And then when we saw from those roots how they came from nothing, coming over with having nothing, right, to starting to be very, very careful in their savings, be very, very cautious, be very, very wise, and how some of those relatives, you know, then later, now, uh, have built up from the basics of, of just really being careful and watching while... A lot of people who had always what they wanted weren't so wise and careful and really kind of didn't watch out and have really lost everything, where the others kind of, because of the hardships, um, were able to be 
able to learn from those lessons. Right, and it's it's all about that that next generation or the yeah. future. And when we do talk to veterans or their their families, the message was, you know, Dad always told us it's it's about you know what we're going to do. Now uh-huh. they made the sacrifice. Now what are we going to do with this opportunity? And the the men who went and fought. They fought because they wanted to make their future. families proud and yeah. to prove their, their loyalty. And so they were doing it for the family. Yeah. They were doing it so that their current family and future families who had not yet been born had opportunities. I think I see a vision there more. I, I, I'd been you know to Japan a long time ago and other countries in China. Also, um. I see that overview of looking at time in a different way than we do as typical Americans where exactly. we kind of live for the now, you know, instead of looking at the whole bigger picture, you know. Um, and when you look at the bigger picture, I think it's really obvious from some of these stories how there was a bigger picture that was carried forward and a lot of sacrifice. A lot. A lot of sacrifice to get um, many uh, um, of the relatives to where they're at right now, you know on where they could be pillars in the society and in the community and and to really, truly make a difference. And I'm really curious how Governor Ariyoshi was able to establish that. Exactly. At a time when it just was almost unheard of, right? It was. It was. He has uh, quite an interesting story, indeed. Have you met him yet? I have. I have met uh, the governor uh, on on a number of occasions, and he's he's very... uh, you know that you are in the presence of a great individual, a great human being, uh-huh. you know, when, when he is around. And at the same time, he's very compassionate, very caring, very thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that no matter what he says, it's going to be incredibly, incredibly interesting. You know, he, his is a story of, of immigration. You know, his parents were uh, immigrants from Japan and I think if you look at a lot of the immigrant stories, regardless of the ethnicity, um, you look at that first group that came over mm-hmm. to America to, to make a better life. Um, you, you have the, the family and the future. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was the foundation. You know, what can we do for the future? Well, my father was from Prague, Czechoslovakia. He came over in the early 1900s. And uh, not too much longer after he'd been here, he taught himself. He he was a structural engineer. And he taught himself English and graduated way ahead of his class. And he graduated from college at the age of 17, came to America. And then not too much later, there was the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. And it, that, you know, for the baby boomer, I'm older than you. <laughs> surprise, surprise. I, but in the baby boomer generation, our parents, a lot of them went through that Great Depression. My father made sure our house was paid in full. We never had a mortgage. Right. We lived so cautiously. He lived. I mean, we acted as if we were, like there was no money. Right. That when he died, he never even told his mother, my mother. <laughs> he never told my mother that there was any money because he wanted to make sure there was always going to be something to provide. Right. We had no idea there was any money. He put aside $2 million, and wow. we were not even aware of it, a wow. dime of it. But that was from the Great Depression and being... Yes very careful. You know, you look at people who are in their late 70s and 80s, and we have many of them as volunteers at the center, and you would never know that they, you know, they just look like average individuals, but they've, they've 
they don't throw anything out. If something breaks, you fix it. Yeah. Uh, you you have you know one pair of shoes, and you yes. make sure that you that, clean that pair of shoes on it's Saturday. It's true. Yeah. But it's that whole it's that whole mentality, and yeah. they're so active. Um, they don't complain if they have their knee hurts. They don't complain. They just keep going there and, and working. We have a gentleman. He's seventy seven, and he cuts our grass once a week. And he wow. he enjoy he doesn't complain he just does it and he's always staying busy so I think it's that you know that depress the depression mentality or you know coming out of the depression or being young when you were and after the war and mentality. after the war that after the war mentality and, and it's really sad but sometimes these hardships actually do and I think all of these stories prove that the hardships are terrible but they make you such a stronger person and I hope people. I know that on our station we run because you were smart to run the special program on the values. And Thank I you have for learned, your support. Well, I have learned so much about the Nisei values, and it goes back again to that. These are the values that they learned that made them strong, that keeps them thriving and alive, and they didn't want those values to die either. Right. And you picked up on that. These were the values of the heroes. Right. And they really were heroes. Right. And, and and maybe you can mention a few of the values off the top of your head. And a, uh, respect, uh, loyalty, hard work, perseverance, patience. And again, you know, we say they are the Nisei values, but really these are values at the core of every, you know, of, of every culture, and they are the, the core of Hawaiian values and aloha. It's, it's not just... The Nisei, and I, I want people to know that you don't have to be a World War II expert. You mm-hmm. do not have to be American of Japanese ancestry uh, to enjoy the center because we yeah. try to share these stories of humanity and these values of humanity. Um, they just, this list of values just happened to be something that the men carried with them. Seriously. Literally, you know, the, these were their values, and this is what they. Because they all have Japanese words that go along, mm-hmm. the correlating Japanese word that goes along with them. So we do the values campaign with um, with you, with Ko'oi. So thank you so much. I mean, it's well, we have to say they're beautifully done, and that's thank to you. And also the fact that we are so lucky in Hawaii to have this blending, this melting pot of all these cultures where right. we don't have prejudice and we can learn from each other and we can respect each other but still there are different sectors you know without fail there are certain sectors that kind of lean towards each other but when you have these events and if people go down to the Nisei Veterans Memorial Center and you're saying more and more people are coming to the Nisei Veterans Memorial Court, maybe not of Asian descent, but learning and we interest really in it. We really do. It's we have a, a cross section of ethnicities that are coming out to our events, names that normally have not come through the doors. So we are excited about that, and we really want to encourage people to come down uh, and just share your stories you know everyone has a everyone has a story yeah. as you know yeah. and that's what makes life interesting are the stories and they so they don't have to be japanese american stories to uh, be appreciated at the nisei veterans center well there's an amazing history in hawaii and, and and you know a lot of people come over and they're kind of new to the islands and then there's some who've been here for years but i would doubt that hardly anyone i know has had a chance to meet governor george arioshi before 
And he is a definite part, 12-year governor. Yes, before, before term limits. Yeah. I mean, in a key turning point, uh, a man who has really broken down barriers by being the first Asian-American governor in the United States, and to be able to meet him and hear his story uh, is really an opportunity. I, I can't think of any other word except an amazing opportunity. I agree, and I'm not being biased yeah. just because it's our event. I, I just think having him come over uh, is just an awesome opportunity to just listen I, to what he has to, to say. And I'm so glad at 92 he's still up and around and able to do these kind of things. I, I mean, know. I mean, that's, that's really a, a wonderful gift. So in this particular case, you're always so generous. You do donations for most events. But in this particular case, it's not at your place. It's going to be, again, if you just tuned in, I'm talking to Deidre Teagarden, who's the director of the Nisei Veterans Memorial Center. It's not going to be there. It's going to be um, because you need more room. It's going to be at the Cayley Golf Course, Nahaley Ballroom, downstairs below where the restaurant is. And it's going to be not this Saturday, the Saturday after next, February 17th, at one thirty, and it's only $35 per person, and you're having heavy poo-poos. We are. Is that going to be the first part before or afterwards, or how's, how are you going to handle it? It'll yet? be the first part. So one thirty to 2, we'll be mingling and oh, eating, good. and then 2 o'clock. Actually, we have a young lady from Kamehameha Schools who is going to be presenting her senior project about uh, one of the MIS veterans, George Sano. Uh, so we have a great relationship with Ramona Ho and at the librarian at Kamehameha Schools. So um, we're so thrilled that uh, Ms. Lau, uh, Kayleen Lau, will be giving her little five-minute history project about George Sano, who will also be in the audience, who's also a contemporary of uh, Governor Ariyoshi. So that should be fun, too, to hear what that next generation is doing as it relates to history and our veterans so um, how do you, how do you see that being enacted? I'm very curious because that's very interesting. I like seeing that because that's a good part of what you're saying you want. Well, we always talk about oh the next generation, mm-hmm. oh the next generation. So we're um, making a lot of efforts to really include that next generation. But um, we've had a wonderful relationship with Ramona and Kamehameha Schools oh, for a number of years. Do have they ever come down? Have been there? They have, you know, but we haven't really. They've done more um, smaller, mm-hmm. smaller events. So we mm-hmm. thought, you know, this is a great opportunity for uh, the young lady to also meet, you know, Governor and uh, to share her project. It'll be a great opportunity for us. Well, that's, we're going to have a call come in here, but I, I thank you so much for calling in. Thank you. And, and we'll be seeing you soon, Deidre. Thank you so that's much for coming Thank by. you, Cindy. Have a wonderful afternoon. Thank you. And I believe I have on the phone. Who Who do I have on the phone right now? My name is Christy. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Christy. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Can you tell me where the Kahili Golf Course is? I have no idea. Oh, wait. This is a call for you to take. Okay. This is wonderful. It's it's in relation to oh. Deidre. Uh, the, the golf course there is, if you're going down um, past the tropical plantation, heading out towards... Uh, you know, and then you go up there, and there's, you know, where the, the Merrill Monroe house is up on the top and everything? Yeah, I didn't know that was the name of Yeah, the- that's the golf course, but you don't want to go to the Merrill Monroe house. You want to turn left. There'll be clear signs, and there's a lot of parking there, and you just turn left there. And the fir- first big thing you see is, like, the restaurant and everything, but it's downstairs as if you were going to go to the golf course. There's yeah. a big ballroom down there. Yes, I, I'm familiar with that. I just couldn't place the Kahili golf course, but... 
always a great program, and I've gone to many exhibits there. I'm a, you know, I guess a local Howley, and I am fascinated with history, and I have enjoyed every exhibit that I've gone to. It's wonderful, and the people that staff it, I know they're volunteers, and they're so welcoming, and I think Deidre is doing such a wonderful job, so thank Aww. you. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> thank we're, you. We're so thrilled when you come in the office. We love having all of our guests and uh, hope you can come to the Governor Ariyoshi event. Give me a call at the office and we'll get you a ticket. All and right. What's, what, we should give people the number there. What's the that number? would help, wouldn't yes, it? it would. <laughs> it's 244 um, 6862. 244-6862? Yes. 244-6862. Thank you for calling, Chris. We appreciate you listening. Bye-bye. Bye. It's funny, I thought it was the next guest when they were yeah. going to call in early, but I'm glad I, I got the call because, again, um, we didn't give that out. No. <laughs> and that's important, 244-6862. Yes. Or they could go to the website. Can they get tickets through they the can. website? They can. Actually, you can. We um, we are 21st century, <laughs> and you can even get your tickets uh, via Eventbrite. There is a little box on the Ariyoshi press release on our front page, on our home page, so you can get tickets that way, or you can call us at the office and pay with a check at the door. Um, however however you want to give us your money, we will take it. <laughs> and, and your website is? NVMC.org. That stands for Nisei Veterans Memorial Center. Easier to remember that way, but it's NVMC.org. Yes, and there's information there about that, and and it's a, it's a very well done site, and and again, I can just all, all I can really say is I applaud, I applaud you, Deidre, and the hard work you do, and the dedication. We were talking about this before the show started. Um, there's so many nonprofits that are kind of struggling to get by, and sometimes there's only one or two or just a handful of volunteers and one person who's staff, and and um, but when you're doing something and you really care, I think it really comes across. I'm not saying others don't, but right. you really care and believe in what you're doing. And I, I really think that do, comes and, and like I said, we have a great team. Uh, we just have a wonderful uh, Melanie Agrabanti, who is our research archivist, uh, can find anything about anybody. So be careful. <laughs> <laughs> but she's great. You know, families so come funny. through the door, and she knows their history. So really? it really makes my job of going around she and talking it. about she it. She knows her history. That's she knows amazing. her history. She, she can find anything. So well, And now it's becoming more and more popular to, to actually get back to your roots, right? Now right. people are doing the genealogy and really yes. curious about it. So, And I think there's value to that, to know oh, a, yes. little, a little bit more about your relatives yeah. and what they did. Where did you come from? Yeah. Yeah, and that's what it's all about. But, again, I, I just uh, I adore you, Deidre, and we all do here at the station. Yeah, we kind of feel like you're – Well, we kind of feel like you're part of our staff here. Thank you. <laughs> you just, you're always, you know, available to talk to, and I just love it. This is kind of – you were going to come next week and it was last minute, but this is an important subject. We really – we very rarely really, really encourage because things sell out um, usually, but this one is a paid event, so we're really pushing you all to – uh, really get your $35. That's nothing with poo poo. So, and, and be a part of this. Am I calling? 244 6862. 244 6862. Much, much gratitude to you and all that you do. Thank um, you. It's, it's extremely appreciated. And it's, made, and it's made a difference in the community. As we all learn these stories, then we also have the responsibility of carrying on in a good tradition. Yes. Thank you.